0: Hello, Shameless Moms. Happy Monday. Today, we are doing a part two to last Monday's part one. If you did not listen to last Monday's episode, no worries, because that one is not dependent on the other. But if you are interested in this, definitely go back and listen to last Monday's episode because you'll continue to learn more about me pulling back the curtain, and it will give you more opportunity to see inside my business. So I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. I, first of all, I think it's fun to be nosy. I'm a nosy person. And this is fun. something that like I used to not share because I thought like I shouldn't tell people I'm nosy. That's weird. And then I realize a lot of other people are nosy too. So if I say that I'm nosy, you can be like, oh my gosh, me too, and we can be nosy together. So I love doing episodes like this because I think when we pull back the curtain and we let other people be a little bit nosy about our lives and we tell people what's going on behind the scenes... It makes us all so much more relatable because we understand the whys behind things and the reasons behind things. And we also understand like how imperfectly things go and how sometimes how unplanned things are. And it just it gives us lots of points of connection and it gives us opportunities to see ourselves reflected in other people's lives, which is always valuable because it it allows us to connect from a point of humanity. And I think that's so valuable. The other reason I'm talking about what's going on behind the scenes in my business and where things have kind of, you know, how things have happened over the years is because I I have, I'm in this really wild season of so many. I don't know if monumental is the right word, but it feels like a lot of serendipitous pieces of my business are coming together. And a lot of it is things that started happening before the pandemic, then we're put on pause or kind of picking back up right now. And then I just finished my Tenacious Mamas Business and Leadership Mastermind Retreat, which was phenomenal. Shout out to my Tenacious Mamas. So I'm feeling like just really invested and on top of everyone's business because I got to spend three days talking about all my clients' businesses during that Mastermind Retreat experience. And then I think it's also just the season of opportunities showing up where I get to really show up and serve as a business coach. And I want to be able to talk with you a little bit more about that because it's not something I always talk about. I'm often talking about how to help you live a bigger, bolder, braver life in a more general sense, but not so much in the business sense. And while I know that a lot of you are not business owners, I know a lot of you are, and I know a lot of you are thinking about it and you're kind of (laughs) nosy and you're like, what is this all about? Also, it's really important that you know that I'm doing a business training on Thursday, November 18th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, where I'm going to be pulling back the curtain even more around how to build a business. What are the foundational pieces that you need? What are the mindset shifts that you need to make before you start a business? Or if you're running your business but you're just not feeling all the way bought in as the CEO? And then also, what are some of the big mistakes that you need to avoid? Because as you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I've been at this for 18 years, which is forever. (laughs) And I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And I am more than happy to share what I know. And it's fascinating to me as I work with business owners, just how much, like there's times when I'm business coaching people and lessons come out of me. And I'm like, I didn't even know that I, really fully knew that lesson until I said it right now. (laughs) Because so many lessons live inside my 18 years of wisdom. I have gray hairs and wrinkles of business wisdom in me. And sometimes really wise sage things come out of that. And I know for sure many of those things will come out in the training because I've already put the training together and it's phenomenal. But I also know that in the heart of the moment, more goodness will come out and more opportunities to really pull back the curtain will come out. So if you are listening to this and you're like, I want to know more about how Sarah does business and how she helps people build businesses and scale businesses, definitely come to that training. You can sign up for free if you go to shamelessmom.com slash business. That's shamelessmom.com slash business to sign up for free and join us on November 18th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. So let's talk about pulling back the curtain part two. I have to be honest. I feel like I've had so much fun creating the episode I did last week and then this one. And as I was putting together my notes for today, I was like, I'm such a dork. <laughs> I could geek out about all this all day long. And you might wonder why, and I think a lot of it is because stepping into my identity as a business owner and an entrepreneur has allowed me to step into my role as a leader. Before I had a business, I did not see myself as a leader, and even in the first Full six years of having a business, I did not identify as a business owner or an entrepreneur. I really did not embrace any of that. I was like, I'm Sarah. At the time, I was I had a different last name. So I was Sarah Sutherland, personal trainer. And I just saw myself as a personal trainer who had a handful of clients and just hoped that they kept coming back because I really didn't have a plan B for if they didn't. And then all that crashed in 2008, 2009, when a lot of them didn't come back. And I had to figure out a lot of hard things really fast. And that's when I started to see myself as a leader. Prior to that, I didn't see myself as a business owner or as a leader really at all. I just saw myself as like kind of doing my own little thing. I knew that I was a bit of a loud mouth. And I knew that I could definitely be outspoken. But I didn't really see that I was a leader. When I started owning the fact that I was a leader, so many things shifted. First of all, I really started to take my work more seriously and I valued my contributions to my clients at a higher level. I really started to take way more ownership for the impact I could have in a client's life. Instead of just getting them like immediate results in the gym, I started to see like, oh, I could be like, Responsible for a way more impactful life transformation. And that was really cool. And that created space for me to become way more intentional and thoughtful about what I was building. So when you hear me geeking out about this, I hope that you understand that it is in stepping up as a businesswoman that I've also been able to step up as me, Sarah Dean, the leader and the legacy builder. And it's my hope that you find this for yourself as well that magical place where you see yourself as a leader and a legacy builder. So maybe it's in your role in a traditional job. Maybe it's in the work that you do to take care of your family. Maybe it's in the positions that you hold in your community, or maybe just maybe it's in your work as a business owner like me. So last week, in last week's episode, part one of this, I had a lot of fun talking about some of the nuts and bolts of my business, and this week I'm back for more, but I'm gonna come at it from a bit of a different angle. So I'm gonna be talking about how I manage my mindset when the going gets tough, how I stay out of the comparison trap, how I manage haters, And I'm going to also share some nitty gritty podcast details because a bunch of you sent really nitty gritty podcast questions. And so I was laughing because I had, when I asked for questions for this episode, I kind of had like three categories around like business questions. And so I took that first handful I answered last week. And then this week was like some of the mindset stuff and kind of comparison trap, how you manage haters, other people's expectations, things like that. And then there was like, all this pot, like really nitty gritty podcast stuff. And I was like, I don't, it doesn't fit with any of the other stuff. (laughs) But I don't wanna do a part, not that I don't want to do a part three, I'm not choosing to do a part three at this time for this. So I'm just putting this all together because you know what, when you're the CEO, you get to pick, you get to pick what goes together. And I'm picking that this stuff all goes together. So I hope you enjoy the second week of me pulling back the curtain on my business. Like I said, if you're nosy like me, it's really fun and fascinating to learn the behind the scenes goodies of the people that you follow online. And I think this will be insightful to you. And then if you are growing your own business, I think you'll have some great takeaways that you'll be able to apply immediately. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. So with all that said, I'm gonna read some of the questions that I got when I asked for questions and input on this episode. So one of the questions I got said, do you ever get stuck in the mindset that your business is less than the person next to yours? You always sound super positive and confident, and I feel confident in myself and my business, but I can't help falling into the comparison trap sometimes. Any advice? Okay, this I totally understand and completely relate to because I've definitely been there. I don't go there so much anymore because I've been doing this for so long that I do don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> I choose to not give myself the bandwidth to fall into the comparison trap too much. But if I'm having a hard day for like just random variety of reasons, and then like I see something that maybe like a podcaster who started around the same time as me post something and they're like, oh my gosh, we hit 30 million downloads. And I'm like, oh, I'm at 4 million downloads. Or someone will talk about a huge milestone on a day when I'm feeling like I'm not meeting any milestones that I'm going after. Of course, I fall into the comparison trap a little bit and think like, "Oh gosh, everything always works out for them or oh, they're just winning at everything right now and I'm not winning at anything." And there's like can be that moment, but I'm really good at catching myself because I have been through so many ups and downs as a business owner that I know that the downs are momentary and I do really own and recognize, especially after having a business that survived through the recession in 2008, 2009, and now having a business that survived through a pandemic, I do really see and really own my ability to be creative and adaptable and nimble and innovative. And not that I love doing things that way. Like I don't love things being unpredictable and I don't love having to get scrappy, but I do recognize that I have the ability to do that. So when I find myself in that comparison trap of like, oh, this person is doing it better or has been doing it longer or is getting more clients, I quickly pull myself out to be like, you could just go do that. <laughs> you have the skills to go do that thing. And I can recognize like where I am seeing progress in my life in any given moment. I will also say one of the little tricks that has helped me around this is, and this might sound silly if you don't have a gratitude practice, but this has been really helpful to me, is my little coffee grounding routine, which I've talked about before, but I started doing this at my therapist's recommendation earlier in 2021. She wanted me to spend like 10 or 20 minutes every morning thinking about things I'm grateful for and like writing them down or just like being reflective. And I was like, yeah, I don't have like, 10 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes to do that. But I can spend 30 seconds. (laughs) That's what I'm willing to give to this 30 seconds. I can spend 30 seconds as I take my first three sips of coffee and think about three things that I'm grateful for. And what's funny is I've done that now almost every morning for since I think it was like January of 2021 that I started. What's funny is how many of those moments of gratitude do connect to business things that happened the day before. So on a Tuesday morning, when I'm standing there at 6am, taking those first three sips of coffee and thinking, what do I feel grateful for this morning? It's often thinking about wins from business the day before. Not always, there's definitely a good mix of like, something awesome that happened with my family, or you know, a really sweet moment with Vinny, or Piper being you know, making me laugh and things like that. But there's oftentimes when I'm recognizing like, oh, I had that great call or that great coaching experience or that client had a breakthrough when we were on Zoom together. Like those kinds of things really, really light me up. And so when I am thinking about that every single day, I'm constantly focused on and connected to the momentum in my business. So then I'm less likely to be pulled off track and distracted by the momentum in someone else's business. So that's really helped me a lot. And I will tell you another thing that I do when I'm in a hard spot and really having a hard time pulling myself out, and this can sometimes happen if I'm in that place where I'm more susceptible to the comparison trap, is I start tracking daily business wins based on what I got done. And so I will have like my list of tasks that I'm doing for the day, which is kind of like my list of action steps. And literally as I get done, I move them from one side of my notebook to the other side of my notebook and mark them down as wins. So if it's like send out the email about the workshop and that's on the to-do list, as soon as I do it, I move it over to the list of wins and it's like sent out the email for the workshop and like check, star, highlight it, like in marking those tasks and action items as wins as soon as they're completed also really keeps me in the momentum of just keeping going when things feel hard. So those are a couple ways that I kind of pull myself out of the comparison trap and just really don't create, don't allow myself to have a lot of bandwidth for it. Next question, how do you deal with haters and or people who don't necessarily hate but aren't actively supportive or just don't really understand your work as an entrepreneur or podcaster? So there's a couple pieces to this. And I actually did a Facebook Live about haters last week. So if you go into our private Facebook group at shamelessmom.com slash Facebook, you can watch that whole Facebook Live because I really go in deep on this and some really big specifics in that Facebook Live. But the main gist of it is that I'm really conscientious around who gets a seat at the table and not everyone gets a seat at the table. And so what that means is that if there are people who are skeptical of my work, who are not actively supportive, or who just don't understand and want to pass judgment, they're just not invited in to participate or have a comment or anything. And so there's people that I unfriend, I unfollow, I block, because it's just so critically important to me that my best energy is saved for all of you who show up and are here to learn and you're eager to learn that I am not going to waste time on people who aren't invested and who are just here to like make waves for no reason. And sometimes it can be really intentional people who are like being dismissive or negative about my work and what I do. And other times it can be more unconscious and like people who are being who are just treating me as small. And I just don't keep talking to them about it. Like I just don't share what's happening. I don't let them know what's going on. And so it's been something that I've learned over the years that there's going to be a lot of people that don't understand what I do. And there's going to be a lot of people that don't understand the impact that I get to have. And that's fine. (laughs) And if they're being like aggressive haters, then like they're going to get kicked out. But If they're just being kind of like passive aggressive, they're not invited in. And I'm really conscientious that I fill the table, the figurative table, with people who are supportive, with people who do get it. Now, I will say that with a caveat that there's people who don't fully understand what I do who do get a seat at the table, but they're as supportive as they can be in the role that they're in. So for example, my mom is a great example who listens to the show. So hi, mom. But she will admit, she's like, I don't understand some of what you do, but like, I am here for it. She will like, I want to know about it. She's so sweet. If she ever knows that I have like a big call coming up or a big event, she's like, what time is it happening? I will be thinking of you during that time. So even though she doesn't totally understand, she's very much like wants to be supportive in any way that she can. So she's totally invited to the table. My husband at times is someone like that too. Like, especially when I first started the podcast and I was like, I want to build a business around it. And he was like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm here for it. So of course he was invited to the table, but there's definitely other people that are like, oh, how's your mom blog? And I'm like, it's not a mom blog. And there's nothing wrong with a mom blog, but that's not what I do. And if you're calling my podcast a mom blog, when it's, almost five years old, then you don't get to sit at the table. (laughs) So then there's this other level of haters, which are people who are aggressively, you know, getting in your way and aggressively sucking your energy and aggressively trying to take you down or aggressively trying to call you out, aggressively saying you aren't who you say you are. And like all those things have happened to me. And I've had to learn how to compartmentalize, which is really hard. I've had to learn how to say that like, even if we're blood, you're not invited in also really hard. And I've just had to learn how to have really firm boundaries. But it's always through the lens of being conscientious around who gets the best parts of me. So if I know that all of you, the thousands of you who are listening today who get the best parts of me, if I know that you're showing up for that, I don't have time, energy, space, bandwidth for the one person off to the side who thinks they're going to ruin my day. Like, go do your thing, cutie. Like, go, go do your thing, sweetheart. <laughs> like Hashtag bless your heart. Like, you are not going to get in my way. So I think I've gotten just way more clear about that over time that I have good boundaries. Now, I will say there are times when there can be a perception of a hater, and I'm putting this in air quotes, a perception of a hater where it's really someone that you're having a disagreement with. And you, there might be a reason for a conversation. There might be that like someone has become a quote unquote hater because you've said or done something that has caused harm. You've said or done something that's like really undermined your core values. And maybe you didn't realize that maybe you didn't understand what you were saying or doing at the time that you were saying or doing it. And so you have some work to do to repair that and to build back like trust and good faith. And so there's times when you might need to go into these relationships with a quote unquote hater because there might be some harm that you need to repair and that's really different. But beyond that, the people who are dismissive of your work and minimizing what you do, and like, they're just not worth your time. And when you start out, sometimes you have way more of those people in your life than not. Because let's say you want to go write a book, you might not have a lot of friends who are writers. It might take you a minute to find those people. And I find this in Tenacious Mamas all the time in our Tenacious Mamas in our business and leadership mastermind is that a lot of times the women in that group who are building their businesses, they don't have other groups of people around them where women are building businesses outside of their of the, our Tenacious Mamas mastermind, oftentimes everyone else in their life is working more of a traditional nine-to-five job and they don't understand what our members are doing as business owners. So it's really important that if you have those people who are dismissive of your work and that they're not lifting you up and they're not supporting you, that you find the people who can and that you fill your table with those people. And that's absolutely why you should come to my business training on November 18th, if you don't have those people in your life. Because the people who understand what you are doing as a business owner, even if they're doing businesses that are completely different, but they just are also women and mom-owned businesses, business owners, those are the people who are going to lift you up and hold you up and hold your hand and give you advice and be there on the hard days and it is imperative that you have those people and so what i found over the years is i filled my table more and more with those people. And that took time for sure. It took finding like, where do these people exist? Where are the Seattle business owners? Where are the Seattle women business owners? Where are the women podcasters? Like I had to go find all of these people. Where are the Seattle fitness business owners and the women fitness business owners back when I was in the fitness industry? I had to go find those people, which was daunting for sure and took time to build those relationships. But then over time, my table was filled and is filled now with people who fill those roles and who know what my life is like and understand it. So it doesn't matter so much if there's someone who comes in and who's dismissive because there's so many other people who are supportive because I've really spent the time to build the relationships with other people who understand and who get it. So that's that. Okay. So and now I have a whole bunch of podcast questions. <laughs> and I think this is going to be funny or not funny. I think it's going to be fun because I think that there's a whole bunch of things that you all just don't know about having a podcast and what it's like behind the scenes, like the nitty gritty bits of having a podcast. And sometimes I'll be honest, people think it's a really big thing and a really big deal. And it's not <laughs> because here's the thing, you know, what's required to start a podcast, a microphone and the internet, <laughs> That's about it. And you know where you can get a microphone? With any phone that you have that you bought, if you have an Android or you have an iPhone, it has a microphone on it. Or if you have a computer, it has a microphone on it. I'm not saying those are the best microphones, but like anyone can start a podcast. There's not a lot of barriers to entry, but a lot of people think there's a lot of barriers to entry. So people get a little starstruck sometimes when you're like, oh, I have a podcast. And it's like, really? Like anyone can start a podcast. Now, that doesn't mean anyone should or anyone... You know there's definitely more to it than just deciding to do it but there's not a lot of barriers of entry in terms of like the technology behind it but let me tell you some of the questions that I got because this will be fun for you so first question I got was I would love to know how podcasters get people guests on their podcast do the guests get paid and what's a typical rate so how do you get people on your podcast you ask them (laughs) and almost everyone says yes (laughs) and and do you pay them nope But what they get in return is they get exposure to your audience. And so my guests always get to promote whatever they have. So that's typically why a guest will come on a show. It's not just out of the goodness of their heart, although, all my guests are such givers. They would do it out of the goodness of their heart. It's typically aligned, not always, but it's typically aligned with some sort of promotion. So oftentimes a guest will have a book coming out or a program coming out and they'll be like, hey, I'm doing podcast interviews right now because I wanna talk about the book or I wanna talk about this program. Could I come on your show? Or I will know that they have something coming out and I'll be like, oh my gosh, come on my show. So that's often how that happens. I don't pay guests. I will say there's been a couple exceptions to that when I've asked people to come and do really specialized training If it's someone in a marginalized group who's doing a training specifically on marginalizations of that group, then I will talk. I have paid for a couple trainings where I'm like, hey, you are part of this underrepresented population and you are an educator in that space. Then I would love for you to come and talk about this. And because you are exposing yourself to having to talk about something that has potentially been traumatizing to you. I would like to pay you for this and I would like to pay you for your time. So I've done a training fee for that in a few instances, but typically people come on the show because they want access to my audience. They know that you are Sarah Dean, you have an an audience of awesome, shameless moms who love to read books, who love social justice, who are really conscientious in the way that they parent and aligned in certain messages and core values. And I would love to come on your show to talk about this thing. And be in front of your audience. And so, and a great example of this, oh my gosh, this is such a great example. My friend Elena Joy Thurston recently was like, can I come on your podcast and can we launch the episode or release the episode where it's timed for people to come to this LGBTQ plus um, suicide prevention training that I'm doing. And I was like, 100%, let's do that. Like That is so aligned with the values of our show. And she wants to get as many people as possible to this training because this is such an important, crucial, life-saving training. So she was like, can I come on the show, tell my story about coming out as a Mormon mom of four and having gone through conversion therapy that you know created a space for me where I was suicidal and had such a loss of identity. Let me talk about my story. And then let me also talk about this training that I'm doing. And so that was like, yes, of course, 100%. Let's come on the show. Let's talk about, talk all that through. So that's that question. Aligned with that question is, Another follow-up question, you often stalk, You often mention stalking potential guests and speakers. How much time do you de- dedicate to research for each episode, aka scrolling people you follow on social? I ask this because I feel as though this can be a daunting task and many of us as, as a certain age might not know how to strategically do it. Okay, so you probably think because I talk about being a stalker so often that I spend like hours a day stalking people. I really don't. What I do is I notice when there's a voice I see or hear repeatedly on social media, it's like on my radar. I also, because I'm nosy, I remember things. So I will remember if I've seen, like Tracy Baxley's a great example of this. Like Tracy Baxley mentioned, Tracy Baxley was tagged, I believe in my friend Rachel Nielsen's Instagram stories. About her book, Social Justice Parenting. And when I saw that this woman, Dr. Tracy Baxley, had this book coming out, I was like, oh, I want to, I'm gonna just going to go follow her. I'm going to go buy her book. It was on pre order at the time. I'm going to go buy the book. And then I'm just going to follow her for a while. And like that was the stalking. And so then after following her for a little bit, I was like, hey, I've been following your work. I already pre-ordered your book. I would love to interview you when you're in the book launch process. So I mean, the stocking is really like I'm personally invested in her work. I'm personally interested. And it also is aligned with what I do professionally. So that was an, a match for me for sure. So that's kind of the stocking. It's the stuff I'm naturally drawn to. So I'm, it doesn't feel like homework to me because it's just innately where my nosy senses guide me. So that's kind of how that works out for me. It's really like, that's what the stalking looks like. It's kind of scrolling through people's stories and having just seen their messages come up repeatedly and me being like, yes, like I love what they're doing. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. (laughs) And so every uh, season of the show is
1: We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because, let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.
0: Okay, sponsors. So someone asked about sponsors. Is that something you go after or do sponsors call into you? So sponsors I work with in a couple different ways, and that's always evolving. But typically I work with a company that matches sponsors to shows, but I always get to say, so they'll come and they'll be like, hey, we have the sponsor. So maybe it's let me think of a good one. Mama Zen is our, a sponsor that we're working with this week. And so they'll say, Mama Zen is interested in working with your show. Go check them out and see if it's aligned with your show, if it's good, a good fit for your audience, and if you'd be interested in promoting. And then I go and look and I'm like, yes, absolutely. I love the work that Mama Zen is doing. Let's figure, like, let's go for it. And then we'll they'll get it set up. So this third party sets it up for us. Um, so that's typically how it works out. There's a lot of different ways that people do sponsors. And so a lot of shows do them in different ways than that. Sponsors, I will say, here's the thing people think they're going to start a podcast and then get sponsors, and then that's how they're going to make money. And it takes a lot, like years to do that, unless you have an immediate massive following of thousands and thousands of downloads per episode. So I never, never recommend having a goal of sponsorship being the primary revenue stream of a podcast because it's just not something that happens automatically unless you already have a really solid following. Do you ever have really bad interviews and have to nix them? Oh, yep. (laughs) But okay, the short answer is yes. But the longer answer is it's happened two times in 600 episodes. And I, in both cases, went back to the guests. And it wasn't that it was a bad interview. There was value in both of them. But both of them didn't position the guest In a way that I felt the guests would feel really proud of the interview. So that can have to do with a few different things. One of them was a guest who was just really nervous. And so I went back to her and I said, Hey, I want you to really shine in this conversation. And so, and I think that the way that we're editing this right now, it's you're just sounding pretty nervous and I don't want you to sound that like I I don't think that you will feel comfortable with this going out like this would you like to re-record? and and like I will do a better job of warming you up and like recognizing that you're feeling a little bit nervous and this was in my first year that this happened where I was not as dialed into like sometimes you're gonna have guests that have never done this before and you it's your job to like really help them feel really comfortable before you hit record we also have had a couple times with like weird audio things where there's like a ton of like weird background noise or like just mic situations that are weird. This again happened like once or twice where I've had to go to the person and be like, we can't use this. Like it's just painful to listen to and I'm not comfortable releasing it. And then you can decide if you want to re-record it or not. Okay, another question. Is it true you have to spend money to make money? I have invested in business coaching. I've invested minimum $10,000 a year, often $20,000 a year or more since 2010 into my business. And that's just in business coaching. I've invested in a lot of other things too in terms of like software and programs and blah, 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 other things. But to a certain extent, I mean, I have spent money to make money for sure. I don't think that it always has to be that way, but I think that that can be the fast track to making money. And I use business coaching as an example because it's what I've spent the most money on. So it's an easy example for me. Not having done that, I wouldn't be where I am today and I also probably not probably I also would not have been able to see what's possible. And so for me, I have to know what's possible if I'm going to keep going on hard days. and I would say that for anyone like you're being a business owner is scary and hard every single day there's th- reasons that you could be like, I don't want to do this anymore every single day. And so it's really important that you are that you have the space to hold the vision even on those hard days. And so for me, what has helped me hold that vision has been business coaching. It's always been in the space of having a coach and a community with that coach where I can see what is possible. And so I can see even on the hard days, I'm like, oh, but I know where I'm going. So even though today didn't work out the way I wanted, didn't work out how I planned, we had a big you know, hiccup or snafu or whatever, I can see that the trajectory that we're on And what is possible based on what my coach is is advising me to do and what my coach has done for themselves and other people in our community have done that I know where I'm going. So today, one hard day doesn't mean a whole lot versus not having that and then having like one hard day, you know, take you down or one hard season take you down, which is often what happens my first year of personal training my whole, that first summer was awful. Like I didn't, nobody warned me that when you are a personal trainer and all your clients go on vacation in the summer, that they're going to come back in September. So all my clients went on vacation that first summer. And I was like, oh my God, I don't have any clients. I picked the wrong profession. And then they all came back in September and they were like wanting to double down on everything. And my business was exploding. And I was like, oh, now I get it. I'm like, oh, there's seasons to this. So (laughs) noted. So that is where I feel like spending money on coaching has helped me make money like exponentially over and over and over again. Okay, next. Last question is, I don't think I've ever heard you say why podcasting. A lot of coaches say do what you love, but I'm having a hard time nailing that down. Okay, great question. So yes, do what you love, but it's more than that. It's way more than that. So I chose podcasting because I knew that the skills required for podcasting also put me in my zone of genius. And so what I mean by that is that I knew that I could show up behind a microphone and it would not feel like an energy suck. It would not be stressful to me. It would actually light me up. It would actually give me energy to provide content in this way. That is very different than writing. So I love writing on my own terms when I feel like writing. But if I had a blog that I had to write a post for every Monday and Wednesday... Oh my gosh, like it would hang over me like a thesis. Like it would be stressful and I would agonize over it because writing, for me, I only want to do it when I'm feeling inspired. Whereas getting behind the microphone, I can be in a bad mood and turn on a microphone and dial it in and be. Fired up by the end and have my whole day shift because I turned on that microphone. So for me, that's why podcasting. I knew that it aligned with my gifts and with the way that my energy works and with my best ability to be of service with the content that I wanted to be creating. So, yes, do what you love, but look at like strategically what makes sense. So this made sense strategically. Also, it takes me way longer to write things than to talk about to say them out loud. I get way more perfectionistic about writing. So when you see a really good email from me, that has taken me a lot longer than this episode to record. And so that and I do a ton of self editing and editing over and over and I get distracted and I walk away and then I come back and like, when I sit down to hit record, if you see a 34 minute episode come out from me, I sat down, I hit record for 34 minutes straight and then I was done. I don't go back, I don't have to like add things in, I don't second guess it. It is like wham, bam, in and out, done, and I feel great about it at the end. And with writing, I feel great about it, but I wanna sit down and revisit it multiple times, I wanna edit and edit and edit, I wanna think about it for a while, I wanna go for a walk, I wanna have a snack, like it's just such a slower process for me. So this is why I chose podcasting, it just made way more sense. All right, so I'm gonna end it there. With final reminder that if you want to know more about building a business, if you're like, oh my gosh, this is super interesting, fascinating, fun, or any of this is like inspiring you to think about how you could grow your business in a new or different direction, definitely join us on Thursday. Just go to shamelessmom.com slash business to sign up. That's shamelessmom.com slash business. And then lastly, holy cow, next Monday is our 600th episode. 600 episodes. This is what happens when you keep showing up. 600 episodes. I can't believe it. So please, we obviously have episode 599 this Wednesday. We have a fantastic interview coming up for that. But then please, please tune in for our 600th episode next Monday. I'm so excited and so honored to be in this community with you and in this space where we get to share with each other and grow together. And I cannot believe it's going to be the 600th episode. So please tune in next week to celebrate with me because it's not a party if I'm just sitting here in my office by myself and no one's listening, right? So we're going to we're gonna pretend that all of you, all of you are in my office with me as I record that episode. So that'll come out next Monday. Thank you for being here. I hope to see you on Thursday, this coming Thursday, November 18th at the business training at shamelessmom.com slash business. And I will also be back here on Wednesday with a fantastic interview.